0: Okay, <clears throat> so back when I was, um, there was a time when I was managing a group of programmers a few years back, and of course uh, by doing that I'd have to interview some folks, we'd have a position come open, and I'd have to interview some folks, and one time this gentleman came in and had a great resume, and uh, very, a lot of accomplishments, looked very qualified, but he had a little gap in his timeline. I noticed in his timeline there was about four or five years there where it didn't have anything on there. And so I asked him, said, what was going on during that time? And he said, oh, that's when I was attending Yale. Or he said, that, actually he said that's when I was in Yale. And I said, oh, well, that's very impressive. Well, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't hire you, so you're hired. And he said, Craig, uh, thank you so much. I really needed this job. Job, Yale, get it? You got to let that one sink in for a minute. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to destroy your morning, but, you know. It gets hard to come up with these jokes after a while, you know? <coughs> Jolene even said this morning, "I need to hear your joke so where I can tell you whether you can do it or not." So I guess I should have done that. <coughs> All right. Well, um, if you, I guess if if you're, you hadn't been hiding under a rock, you know that the king was crowned yesterday in, in England and uh, in the early morning. And I don't know, maybe some of you got up and had your tea and crumpets or whatever so you could watch the coronation. And I don't know if you noticed, but there's a lot of uh, Christian symbolism in that ceremony, right? Uh, I don't know if you know the history there, but, uh, you know, the uh, Westminster Abbey where he was crowned is the church, part of the Church of England, or what we call in America the Episcopal Church, sort of, or the England church. And you know the history, Henry VIII broke off from the Catholic Church in the 1530s or somewhere around there because he wanted to get a divorce from his first wife, Catherine, because she couldn't give him a son, and the Pope said no. So the king just said, well, I'm going to start my own church, basically. And the Church of England began. And, of course, the king, because of that, is the head of the Church of England. Or you might say he's the pope of the Church of England. And I don't know if you noticed there, the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, who really is the head of or the pope of the Church of England, was the guy putting the crown on his head and all that stuff, right? So there's a lot of symbolism in that, which is kind of weird in this time and day because the world kind of frowns on Christianity, right? We're kind of all together, right? In fact, even King Charles has said he's a universalist, right? That all religions are okay, that everybody is part of the kingdom. And I don't know if you noticed, but there were some folks who participated in the ceremony that were not Christian, that were from other religions. So that was going on. But one of the key things I noticed, and I, my pen was very interesting, was he, he's called the defender of the faith. And that's a very powerful statement to say that the king was the defender of the faith. And I don't know if you noticed, but when they did the little ceremony behind the screens and what was going on there was he was being anointed by the Archbishop of Canterbury and what that does is it harkens back to the time of David when Solomon anointed King David and also when Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anointed King Solomon and they actually got oil from the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem and consecrated oil and that's what he was anointed so they disrobed him or whatever put the oil on his chest or whatever and that's a symbol of him being anointed by God to be king of the world basically when you think about it it's England but it's the church in his eyes and that's the only church in their eyes so therefore he's the head of it and I thought that was an interesting concept considering the world today and very very uh, a statement that you might say well that's all just symbolism and it's not true you know there's no man that's the head of the church you know, God Jesus Christ is reigning in his kingdom so you don't necessarily get that unless you know the history, right? But I thought that was interesting how they still showed all those, uh, uh, all those that symbolism and things of the, of the Christian Church, right? Of Christianity, how that king is the head of all that, even though he would consider himself to be more of a, well, a universal, more of a worldly king than a Christian king, perhaps, right? It's interesting how those things you can see today, and people don't know anything about it. You know, and how we just they just go through the ceremony, uh, hand, you know, walk through it. People don't know all the symbolism, and that's why I wanted to kind of share that with you to see, you know, that's there, that's been around for a while, but things have changed a lot, right? And that kind of parlays into our study a little bit when we talk about prayer. You know, we are to pray for our leaders, we are to pray for the king, we are to pray for our president, we are to pray. For those who are making decisions about our lives and we've talked about in this study how that is so powerful right and how that prayer makes a difference we went through several uh, studies through these uh, last six or seven weeks on what prayer does for us right the purpose of it the power of it remember how we talked about in the first century they were together in the house praying for Peter I mean uh, for Peter who was in prison praying for the Apostles And it was so bold that the earth shook, the house shook that they were in, that they were so together in their prayer, in their unity before God. And that privilege that they had to go right in the throne room, right into the throne room of the king of kings, who King Charles was bowing before, supposedly, and speak to him and ask him and thank him and praise him, right? Interesting how that thing, how that is so powerful. We don't think about that, though, do we? We lose sight of that, right? We lose sight of that power that comes through prayer, that power that we have to ask the creator of the universe to make a change, to do something, and to thank him and to praise him. We talk about the principles of prayer, of course, adoration. we We need to praise our Lord, praise him for what he's done. Thank him for what he has done for us. In addition to making confession that we are not worthy of him that we have fallen short that we have sinned and then also our supplication asking him to help someone on their, to ask praying on someone's behalf for the sick for someone who's ailing for someone who's lost a job for someone who's not a Christian who you know needs to hear the gospel these things are all part of that right all part of that idea that we can talk with our lord our father in heaven right and that becomes a powerful thing and then a couple weeks ago we talked about the practice of prayer how we are to go about it whether it's private whether it's a public prayer or that kind of thing right how jesus talked about you shouldn't be doing it just to please men like the pharisees did right or the hypocrites but to go into your own room by yourself in private and pray for God hears you even in private we talked about how it's something that's a personal thing it's something that is between you and him that you can have a relationship just like your own earthly father you know I know some of you may not have had a very spiritual earthly father many of you have though and you learned who God was through the practice that your father had through the teaching of your father Through the example of your father and so therefore you had that relationship with your father whether that was good or bad you had something and God wants you to have that similar relationship with him and that starts through that prayer life through the ability to be able to talk with him speak with him and have that communion together what an awesome thing what an awesome privilege we have as Christians we talked about that even how not everybody has that privilege Well, all this to say, if that's the case, then why don't we pray? Why don't we do it? We should be doing it all the time. But we don't, do we? Yeah, we get busy, right? I know, we got got to provide for family. We got ball games to get to. We got school. Man, we're so busy. It's hard to find time to do it, isn't it? but it's such a powerful thing. Think about all those things that are going on in your life, how you're so confused about, how am I going to get this done? What am I going to do about this? How am I going to recover from this sickness? All those things come into it. It should be something that we're praying all the time. Not just sitting there at the supper table before we eat. Not just before we go to bed. I mean, it should be foremost on our minds something we're doing all the time why is it people don't pray do they not believe that their prayers are going to be answered maybe that's part of it not knowing how God answers their prayer mate maybe we've lost faith in it maybe we have prayed for something so long and nothing seems to be happening that we just give up is that the case maybe it's a bit of a guilt thing we got something going on in our lives that we're struggling with, the temptation perhaps that we're not being able to avoid very well. That it causes us to think, I, I can't talk to God. You remember when you were a kid and you're, went out maybe on a weekend with your buddies or girlfriends and you did something you probably knew your father wouldn't approve of. And when you got home, did that make it a little bit harder for you to talk to your dad? Well, yeah, (laughs) I'm not going to tell him we were out there doing that. And guess what usually happened, right? What usually happened with your dad? He usually figured it out, didn't he? Or found out, one way or the other. And there was a little guilt going on there, wasn't it? And yeah, you probably got punished, maybe you did, but through all that, guess what? If you had a godly father, he still loved you through it all yeah, he had to provide that discipline or whatever it was, but he was not going to lose that relationship he had with you because of his love for you. You see, that's how he provided that example of God the Father. Therefore, in that same way, we should be talking to our Father constantly. And if there's something keeping you from doing that, whether it's lack of faith, guilt, that's something we need to be Working through and getting through and getting past. And maybe it just means powering through and continue to pray no matter what. Because God loves you. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, how He answers that prayer. Turn over to Psalm and let's look at Psalm 118. Psalm 118. I want to read what the psalmist had to say there. Interesting, interesting few words. We'll stay over there in Psalm 118 and begin in verse 1. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Ezra now say, His mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, His mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me therefore i shall see my desire on those who hate me it is better to trust in the lord than to put confidence in man what a powerful statement right what a powerful verse there god will provide and usually or maybe we may not realize it so much but when we ask something he's going to provide it that's one of those things about that privilege we have, right? Turn over to Psalm 138. See what it says there, beginning in verse 1. 138, beginning in verse 1. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me. It may be bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever, Do not forsake the works of your hands. When he is put first in our lives, when we are walking in faith, not in in flesh, walking in the Spirit, not in flesh, he's going to answer our prayers. And most likely, if your will is in line with his will, that's going to be yes. And that's all through the Scripture. Turn over to Proverbs there, just the next book over, and look at Proverbs 3, chapter 3. Let's read a few verses from there. Proverbs 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. There's that thing about the relationship. Don't try to figure it out yourself. Go to him. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Interesting concept, right? Don't put your confidence in man. You don't have understanding? Go to him. You will be blessed for it. Turn over to Matthew. See what the Lord said there. Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and verse, uh, let's go with 31. He says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What's he saying right there? Do not put confidence in men. Do not depend on your own. Go to him. Ask. Seek. Knock. And it will be provided. That's a promise, folks. That is a promise. So, God's going to answer yes, most likely. But I do want to point out a couple of things. Turn over to 1 John. Let's read some verses from there. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him so we got to ask according to his will interesting turn over to chapter three there see what else john says verse 22 and this uh and whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son jesus christ and love one another as he gave us commandment so in other words part of that prayer life is living according to the spirit of keeping the commands living according to his will in other words we can't just go out and live however we want it's not going to work that way yeah there there might be some guilt involved But remember, as long as we walk in the Spirit, we're not going to do it perfectly. We're not going to live a life that's without sin. But when we're living that life in accordance with Him, trying to be like Christ, that prayer is powerful, right? And the answer is probably going to be yes. Well, yes, but it may be in a different way, right? In other words, He may grant our requests, but it might not be in our time. In other words, there might be a little um, thing about his will not being in the same time as yours. If you want to, turn over to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You probably know the verses, but I'm going to read them again. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. Actually, there's an old song from the 60s, some of you folks remember. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Time to be born, time to die, time to plant, time to pluck what is planted, time to kill, time to heal, time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, time to mourn, time to dance, time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, time to lose, time to keep, time to throw away, time to tear and time to sow, time to keep silence, time to speak, time to love and a time to hate, time of war and time of peace. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. We may get a request granted. He's going to hear our prayer. But the answer may not be in the time that we wish it would be. Or maybe it's going to be something later on after our life lives after something maybe it's a time where we're not able to see it maybe do you uh do you pray for your children do you pray for your children that they'll remain faithful Do you pray for your children's children that they might know god through what your life is like and your children's life. And even that may be something you never see, right? Maybe that's something that you won't see in your lifetime. But we got to understand that patience there, right? That God's going to do things by his time, in his will. In Luke 18, <coughs> the Lord talks about the fact that God may be saying no, but he's really saying just wait. It's not necessarily something that's going to be answered right away. And we have to have a little patience there. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Let's read a few verses about that. Hebrews chapter 6. And let's begin in verse 10. Actually, let's go back to verse 9. Says, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister, and we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In other words, the Hebrew writer is saying, Don't give up. Keep working. You may not see the fruit immediately. You may not see the answer to your request immediately. But continue on to the end. Have patience. So through our prayer life, we've got to have a little patience. Your request may not be granted immediately. We need to keep asking and praying. Luke 11, ask, seek, and knock. I can't um, I can't continue to say how powerful that is, right? It seems so easy, don't it? Yet it seems so hard too, right? All you've got to do is ask, seek, and knock if you're living within that spirit. We need to remember his promise, the promise that he will provide, that he will answer our prayers and so forth. And sometimes those requests may be answered but they might not be what we think. Turn over to, uh, if you will, Isaiah, and uh, let's read something from there. Isaiah 55. And beginning in verse uh, verse 8. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it might give seed to the sower and bread to the other. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. We don't know all the things of God. We don't know how he works, right, but we pray expecting answers, but it may not be what you think it's going to be. Yeah, he's going to do things in accordance with his will, right? Remember, his thoughts and methods are much different than ours. Therefore, we need to ask God for strength and perseverance that he will provide, and even though it may not be right now, even though it may not be how we expect it, we gotta have that patience. In fact, he may do some things that we didn't expect. If you turn over Philippians chapter one, let's just see what we're talking about today. <clears throat> Verse 29. Philippians 1:29 it says, for to you. It has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Did you know that you have that privilege to suffer in his name? Would you consider that a privilege? Well, perhaps that's how that prayer gets answered. Right? Right? Perhaps you've got to go through something to fully understand it. Perhaps that prayer doesn't get answered in the way you thought it was when you get thrown into prison. Or lose your job because of your faith. Or get ridiculed because you're a stupid Christian who believes in an invisible God. Maybe that's something you got to go through. Yes, sir. good point yeah that i like that statement said you know hey, who you are by who your enemies are that's a very good point and that's very true and we have to remember we, the world is not we are not of the world but the world will see how we live as we are christians and that's true and not so much enemies of us even but you know the principalities and powers satan and those are the things that are going on um i was just watching something the other day about a I was showing this to Jolene. And I, just, I thought i remember about a thing going on, or maybe some, maybe Jim sent me an email about it. I can't remember. It's called, called SatanCon. It's going on in California, and something stupid like that. And you know how they got the conventions, and this is a convention of Satan worshipers, And I noticed they—I sh- watched the video of it, and there's this woman up at the front, and there's not many people there. There's maybe look like maybe 50 people in the whole convention center, but this woman's up there ripping a Bible apart. And I'm sitting there thinking okay, I understand why you're ripping the Bible, I guess. You're saying you're not a Christian or whatever, but how would you even know who Satan was if it wasn't for the Bible, you know? And I kind of think, how silly that is. Why would you want to worship Satan when the Bible tells you all about what's going to happen if you do that, you know? It just it blows my mind what you're talking about there, how the world sees things and they got no clue, you know? I don't know if you've seen about the <clears throat> something i saw the, i'm getting off subject here but I, something i saw the other day about the with the um i uh, don't know if i should get into it much but the 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 homosexual movement right and they've showing a sign that said it said jesus had two dads and i guess they're talking about joseph and god which makes no sense to me and they're trying to say you know jesus was was tolerant of the gay lifestyle i guess that's what they're pointing out but they don't mention the verses like you're talking about in verses like in the Sermon on the Mount where he said, if your eye causes you to lust, pluck it out. It's better you to go into heaven than to hell with your eye, right? So he is talking about judgment. He was compassionate. Of course he was. He came to save the lost. He came to provide hope to the sinful, which we all are, right? But he didn't condone something that was wrong. And that's what they don't get they don't get that right interesting getting I'm digressing there I don't want to get too far off but that's how the world sees us right because we're idiots we're very peculiar as you said absolutely good point okay uh, where was a uh, request okay so we we could, so we talked about how our request may be granted but not exactly what we expect and we have to be mindful that we shouldn't limit things to what we expect right we don't want our prayers to be answered by the God of the universe simply on based on what we think it should be. I don't necessarily know what I want my life to end up like. I want it to be like Christ. I want to be in heaven with him one day. But if there's something greater for me to do, I want him to show me. I don't want to be limiting him. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 3 and see what's something that Paul wrote there. Ephesians chapter 3. verse 20 he says now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations just because we request something we shouldn't just expect it to be answered the way we think it should be I want God to do whatever needs to be done I want to use all his power right And if I'm asking about something, I know I'm limited in the flesh. I don't know exactly what I need or what someone else might need or what the world needs. I want him to use all his power through his knowledge, through his foresight to answer that prayer, to provide. So it may not be what I think it's going to be. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Let's read something from there. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's a very interesting verse, isn't it? When we're walking in the Spirit, the Spirit is dwelling in us, we are living according to His will. Spirit prays on our behalf. We don't even know what we need. Isn't that an amazing thought? And that should carry us, right? That should carry us through times of deep trouble, persecution, trials, just like he said we're going to suffer. I don't have to know exactly what to pray for. I just got to pray. Spirit's going to take care of the rest powerful statement is it not so don't limit our options don't limit what God can do for us <clears throat> do we simply pray that God uh, will make you will bless us through the use of natural things like you know someone who's sick do we pray that he help the doctors do we pray that the medicines can be provided? and and those are good things to pray for but do we get the idea that that's all we need to pray for do we not understand that God's providence can be involved there yeah he doesn't perform miracles right in front of us like he did in the first century those those things don't occur anymore they have their purpose that purpose is now gone we have the Word we don't need that anymore but that doesn't mean God doesn't participate actively in our lives and therefore when we pray we need to pray that his will be done, not just for the doctors, not just for the medicines, not just for this and that, but whatever he can do for us. And we need to understand that he will do it, and he can do it. How many of you have had a friend or family member who doctor said, no hope, no hope for that person? Next thing you know, they came through. you are still with us, and they're thriving. You ever had anybody, you may know it like that. Yeah, doesn't mean you shouldn't be going to see the doctor. God provides for your care that way. But through prayer, other things can happen that man cannot see, not even the smartest doctors in the world. It's very true. We don't need to limit God enough. As we pray, we need to trust Him. Of course, we need to allow Him some latitude to answer, however He deems to be done, including that it might be nope, denied, request denied. Yeah, that can happen. I know we don't like to hear that part of it, but it may be that your request is not in line with His will, right? That's a very powerful thing. Turn over to James chapter 4. Let's read a few verses from that. From that uh, book, James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or you, do you do think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit also dwells in us, yearns jealously? Interesting point. There may be times when God does not grant our request it might be because we are not walking in the spirit that's a very possibility we must trust god who knows what is best but it may be that it is simply not his will yeah james 5 calling for the elders to know it yeah yeah Yeah, to call on the elders, you have to pray, yeah, absolutely. I want to turn over to, uh, you don't have to turn with me, but I want to go over to Habakkuk chapter 3 and read a verse here. <clears throat> if I can get over there. Let me get over to Habakkuk chapter 3. Why is it when I'm trying to find one of the minor prophets? I can never find it. <laughs> well, anyway, Zechariah so 3, verse 17, he talks about how we can, even though we, we don't understand fully, we still trust in God, right? That's a very powerful statement in the fact that we should never give up, even though our requests might be denied, may not be answered properly, or, or the way we want it to, not properly, but the way we want it to, right? Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's read a couple verses from there. <clears> 2 <throat> Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 7. <clears throat> Paul's writing, and he says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above above measure. Concerning this saying, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong this is an example of Paul praying he says three times that this thorn be removed whatever it was most scholars would think it was blindness but we don't know for sure and yet God said no my grace is sufficient for you to live the way you're living with this infirmity so you could say his request was denied right the answer to his prayer was no now is that a bad thing was that bad for Paul to be told no even though he's out preaching to the gospel the gospel to the world to the Gentiles no it was in accordance with God's will you see through his infirmity he's able to be a greater example able to preach the gospel more people We'll hear the gospel through that. And Paul understood. He understood that. So just because we sent the an, answer of no doesn't mean it's a bad thing. So, in at least four ways, God answers our prayer, right? He grants it, yes, or grants it, and may say it's not within time yet. He may grant it, but it's not as we expected, and then he may say no. It's not accordance to what I want. God may choose to answer our prayer however he sees fit we need to remain confident in that we need to continue that relationship with him and we need to pray without ceasing this ends our study of prayer i hope it's been a good study for you i hope if nothing else out of this your prayer life has been more robust because of it next week we're gonna we have three more weeks in this quarter we're gonna start a study uh, we had a study a few years ago, and I, it was well-received, so I'm going to do it again on, on ministering spirits. We're going to talk about angels, water angels who are angels. And we'll have about six weeks of that. I, I don't, I know Todd's been talking about the way we're going to set up new quarters. May At the end of May will be the end of this quarter, and then we'll have a two-month quarter, uh, June and July. and that. So we're going to have a, about a six weeks of angels, and I think the last six weeks of that next quarter we'll do a study on angels. Um, if we can, how we can have confidence in the Bible, okay, and then in August that next quarter, and that's going to be more in line with what uh, the Bible curriculum is going to be, so until then, that so I hope you'll be back next week, uh, uh, the study of angels is a very good study, very interesting, and it's something that we don't necessarily understand very well, so hopefully it'll be a good study for you, all right, thanks for being here.